Miami Heat's postseason success is well documented. 20 appearances in 32 years, seven trips to the conference finals, three NBA championships. But it wasn't always this way. Every franchise has to walk before it can run. After joining the league in 1988, victories came slowly. 15 wins in year one, 18 the next, followed by 24 in year three. The record books weren't exactly being rewritten, but at the same time, the team was adding fresh talent to the draft. So by year four, with two future All-Stars in Glenn Rice and Steve Smith on the roster, the Heat were ready for their next step. On the last night of the season, they secured their place in the playoffs after winning a tiebreaker with the Atlanta Hawks. Their reward? A best-of-five series with the defending champion Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. As told by Glenn Rice, this is the story of the Heat's battle with the juggernaut in their first-ever playoff series. Here's Jordan. Wow! Everyone in this arena fell back in their seat. It was a little different, you know. I'm so accustomed to the Pistons and the New Yorks that when you go inside, you go to the pole, you don't get knocked down, you know. Uh, I think with the inexperience of Miami, they don't know how to play that type of basketball yet. Jordan with a steal. Here he comes. Oh, oh, nice. That's the first time they've been physical with Michael in the series. A ferocious start to their third playoff game ever and their first at home for Miami. Right for Jordan. In the lane. Here's the fadeaway. Got it. It was one of them nights when he was like, man, Michael, would you just please miss? Michael Jordan throwing one haymaker after another. Rice shoots a long two. Got it! And Rice coming alive down the stretch. And it's 115, 111. Down ahead of the field. Jordan makes the catch, gets ahead of Cycli and dunks. Matter of fact, they have everything in the world to be proud of. The Bulls win game three, 119 to 114. I don't think they're really an unhappy person in this building. This was a tremendous night for the Miami Heat. We're going to talk about the 1992 series with the Bulls. To me, this is sort of a, uh, a forgotten team in franchise history. And not just for the franchise, but in the league, because it's a really interesting collection of young talent. I think people forget that when the Heat came into the league, they chose to draft young guys, whereas some of the other right. expansion teams tried to get a little older and they tried to fast track to the playoffs. So they were building a team in the right way. And you know, in 1992, it's your third year. You take a big leap. You're leading the team in scoring. You're scoring over 20 points a game. What did it mean to you guys, the the playoff chase? Like, what did this mean for you? What did it mean to the franchise just to be in the mix towards the end of the season there? It meant a lot for us. I mean, considering uh, we had a very, uh, pretty much a young team, uh, it was uh, one of the first opportunities that we really had a, a chance of getting into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, like you said earlier, myself emerging as, you know, a pretty good basketball player in the NBA. Uh, it meant a lot because uh, when you think about it up to that point, uh, we, we had a lot of – it was a lot of struggles for us. And yet still our, our, our fans remained loyal. So we figured that, man, we, we got to get into the playoffs so they can understand what it feels like and uh, understand that uh, without them – us even thinking about being in the uh, playoffs, it, it would be a much harder task. So uh, we, we wanted to get there uh, just, you know, for ourselves and for our fans and for the city of Miami. So you're there on – it's the last day of the season. You guys win. You're waiting for Atlanta. 
to figure out the result because so you guys can win the tiebreaker. Eventually Atlanta loses. Does is there a elation and how long does that last before it kind of hits you? Oh, now we gotta play the Chicago Bulls. Right. <laughs> that was the bad part. Uh it was it was almost one of those moments like it was a surreal moment. Uh because like you said, we're sitting there, okay, man, we 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 need to make the playoffs because it'll be great. And, you know, in the back of your mind and amongst ourselves, we're saying it doesn't matter who we're playing. And uh, when we find out that Atlanta had lost and we're playing against the almighty Chicago Bulls, we was like, okay, listen, you know, they they play basketball like we do. Uh, they, they do have the greatest player they ever played the game of basketball on their team, along with Scottie Pippen, who is, uh, in my mind, has always been top, 15 top 20 player of all time. We can still do this. I mean, we we go into it, you know, still trying to keep hope alive, uh, but at the same time, really want to give it the best experience, uh, not only uh, that ourselves can have, but uh, the city of Miami, our fans, just go in there and just be optimistic, you know, go out there, let it all hang out and have fun. And uh, it, it, it was a pretty good. It was a. It was a. It was a great feeling and a and a and a great opportunity for a young team. MJ is always relevant, but he's particularly relevant right now because the Last Dance has been there and every Sunday. It's given us all something to look forward to every week. Um, it's been Absolutely. incredibly entertaining. <laughs> but um, it wasn't last week and two weekends ago when they were going through the the Pistons games. You know, they they brought in some of the coaches and Ron Rostin, who's a, a Heat regular, obviously was a big part of this. But they talked about the Jordan rules and. I think sometimes everybody thinks the Jordan rules are just being physical with them. And the assistant coaches detailed, like, actually, we were trying to push some baseline. We were trying to make him a passer. There was an actual strategy to it rather than just hitting him every time he went to the rim. When you guys were preparing right. for that series, was there – did you have your own set of Jordan rules? Were you trying to do what Detroit did, or did you have their own thing that you wanted to accomplish? <laughs> we, we only wish we had guys who was as physical as uh, – Detroit Pistons. And <laughs> no, we uh we had some uh, young talent then. I mean, we 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 took the approach that we would try and cut angles down on Jordan. Those are our rules, you know, try and make him go places where uh, not necessarily that he couldn't go, but uh, uh, play the percentages of uh, the opportunities of uh, getting help there and also uh, uh, just trying to push him to the spots that we thought that he wasn't as good as and uh, see where that would get us. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's Michael Jordan. I mean, you, you got you to gotta take uh, the good with the bad, and uh, it was just unfortunate that we, we encountered a lot of the bad. Were you guys trying to push some baseline, too? I thought that was an interesting point made because a lot of times these days – I mean, push them middle was what the Pistons do. I, I misspoke earlier. Nowadays, you want to push guys baseline because you're bringing the help over. But back then, was it easier to push guys middle because that's where the help was? Yeah, back then it was a lot easier pushing them toward the middle because the help was able to get there a lot faster, and it was it, like I said, it was easier. Uh, you push Michael Jordan baseline, I mean, you take one dribble and he already took flight. So, uh, yeah, it was easier. It was a lot easier rotation uh, when he uh, came to the middle. And uh, like I said, we had some guys that had some length, had some athleticism somewhat, and uh, uh, we tried to bother him as much as possible, and also tried to get him to pass it off to other guys, uh, hoping that those other guys would uh, try and take the opportunity to beat us. And, uh, I mean, we had, we had some success in some ways. Uh, just unfortunate that uh, at that time we were a young team. 
uh, we were experiencing the playoffs for the very first time. And uh, we, we again uh, had to experience some growing pains and, uh, but uh, we learned a lot from it. You guys, you're right. You guys did have some really interesting length in, in some ways. It was kind of a modern team. You know, maybe these days Grant Long would have been taking more threes, but you had you, Steve Smith, Brian Shaw came in midseason. He he had size. You guys probably could play today just with a few tweaks. So game three of that series is obviously the classic one. Um, but I'm, in the first game, you guys took a three-point lead after the first quarter. You know, they, they came short, out a little sluggish. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, you personally, you'd scored 33 on Michael and Scotty. Uh, earlier in the season, the regular season, you had some success against them. But after that first quarter, it seemed like there was a turning point where, and I'm sorry to bring this up, but you guys come down, you're isolated with <laughs> Michael on the left wing. He gives you a little jab step left, and then he goes middle, and then unfortunately, Ronnie Cycli's there. Here's Jordan. <laughs> what was different about trying to stay in front of Michael? I mean, those moves, just every single shoulder fake he has seemed to get guys going yeah. like a foot one way. You, you know, with Michael, you would always say, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to take the, the quick shoulder uh, twitch or the jab step. I'm going to just stay grounded. But, man, <clears throat> once you get in front of him and you're thinking like, man, I got an opportunity to just slow him down a little bit and you – you forget that uh, you're not supposed to go for the, the little quick twitches, but his quick his twitches were so quick that yeah, you in in hindsight you're saying, man, I shouldn't have went for that twitch, but at the same time in real life you're like, yeah, I went for it, and yeah, he made me pay the price, <laughs> and it was unfortunate for Ronnie because I'm like thinking, okay, well if he get past me, we got big guys back there and. Uh, Mike don't care how big you are. He's going to try and fly over you and uh, finish the job. And uh, I, I apologize. I never had the opportunity to apologize to Ronnie Slightly, but I apologize, big guy. <laughs> I think we can give him credit for at least standing in there and trying to block it. You know, he didn't let him walk in. Yeah, no, he, he didn't run out of there. Uh, he, he accepted the uh, poster challenge, and uh, so, so be it. A lot of guys have gotten uh, that uh, opportunity to be on uh, the end of uh, Michael Jordan's dunk. I think there's a there was a moment earlier in that game where you are you have a mismatch and you're posting up I think it's Bob Hansen, and you gave him you just give him a little shoulder bump and you go up for a quick easy turnaround jumper, and then MJ comes yeah. flying in <laughs> like from outer space to block it and the the game I had had the Bulls announcers on it and they're saying all right this is a young Glenn Rice uh, he needs to learn how to handle a double team and I'm thinking that's not a double team that's a guy flying it across the other side of the floor. <laughs> Inside, it's Rice against Paxson. Jordan, the block as he recovered, knowing that Rice wanted to post. It was Hanson, I'm sorry, that he had posted Well, up. this is going to be the next step up for Glenn Rice. He's going to have to learn to read the double teams. Michael came from out of the rafters. I had no idea where he – that's how quick he was. I had no idea. I mean, it, it wasn't a double team. I had a guy on the post. I, you know, did my little, you know, little shake move. Let it go, and all of a sudden, I'm like, no, no. I, I seen it coming. I'm like, no. Where'd he come from? Who didn't let me know he was coming? And it was like, everybody looking like, brother, that was too quick. We <laughs> but, but you know, that's that's what made him amazing, man. I mean, you know, not only was he that explosive offensively, I mean, this guy's IQ uh, for basketball was above normal. 
Uh, you know, he 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 read the play, he timed it perfectly, and didn't have to be a double team, but he he knew what. Once I made my initial shake, he knew you know exactly that you know I was going to finish it, and he he met the ball at the right time and uh, got the block. Games one and two are relatively forgettable, but. Yeah, You know, I think what, what really stands out about them, and Scotty played a pretty great series too, is their defense doesn't get talked about as much as just, you know, the individual talent on those teams. But when they really wanted to swarm, you know, they were kind of everywhere. And then in transition, yeah. they were like bullets. You know, when My- Michael and Scotty were coming down, it looked like there was almost nothing you guys could do. Listen, when you talk about individual defenders and how good they are, I've always told people that Michael and Scottie Pippen, in my mind, is uh, probably, you know, top five, top ten best defensive players of all time. And to have both of those guys on the Bulls, and like you said, when they set their mind to it, they can make it almost difficult for any score to score the basketball. And, yeah, when they when they really dug, they dug down in the trenches – they made it difficult for us. I mean, like I said, it was a learning experience for us. We're a young team, and we're going up against, you know, the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Bulls of greatness at that time. So, uh, mind you, we 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 didn't want to – we didn't back down, but at the same time, we – there was a huge learning curve there, and, you know, when it comes to experience. And, uh, yeah, when they turned it up at times, we, we, we didn't respond – we didn't respond like a, a team that uh, – uh, had uh, the know-how or the experience. Uh, they they jumped on us, and uh, we didn't know how to get out of it in time. You know, at times, and uh, but like I said, it was it was fun and it was a learning experience. But uh, and and you learn it from a great team. So uh, you got like I said, or you got to take the good with the bad. We don't want to make any excuses or anything, but and this isn't for the squeamish. If anybody's listening to this, maybe fast forward thirty <laughs> seconds. But they did during the broadcast show something that was going on with your toe. And you had this giant yes. rubber, like sleeve on it, and I, I'm looking at it like I have no idea how you even fit your foot in the shoe. I don't know what I think somebody may have stepped on my foot and it kind of snatched my whole toenail off. And yeah, it was, you know, and it, and it was the big toe. <laughs> and, and you know, obviously, you know, if anybody that has anything to do with running or moving or anything, that big toe is very important. And uh, yeah, it was. It, that big toe, that toenail came off at the wrong time, man. <laughs> I was trying to be a man about it, but believe me, I was I was going through one hundred percent pain, and uh, I tried to forget about it. But I, you know, it was it was just very difficult. It was very difficult to deal with. When you guys come back to Miami for Game Three, I was asking around to some original Heat lifers who were broadcasting these games back then. And without naming names, I'll, I'll I'll see whatever you want to say. <laughs> but it sounded like there was um, some talk going on between the teams before game three. Is there any, anything you can elaborate on that? Back then, you know, trash trash talking uh, was very relevant. Uh, we had some trash talking going, yeah. I mean, you know, they were talking about uh, – we are hearing whispers, I would say, that they were going to sweep us and that, you know, we were young and we didn't know anything. And it, you know, it pissed us off, man, you know, we – we, I mean, when you talk about that team, we had we had some guys who uh, were from Michigan, and you know, when you talk when you when you talk about Michigan players, we don't back down. We talk trash to the best of them, and it didn't it, it didn't matter if you were Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen. 
so we we took that to heart, and uh, we was like, okay, you know what? Yeah, you guys got some very good players on your team. You got a very good team, but uh, yeah, and we're here for the first time. But by no means do we not know how to play basketball. So, all right, let's go out here and let's 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 knock chins and uh, see what happens. So game three is starting, and um, the the Heat staff, the marketing staff, that handed out a bunch of clackers to the yes. fans. To everyone in attendance and listening to it on the broadcast, it sounds almost like a soccer game, you know, like the Vuvuzelas they have during a World <laughs> Cup or something. It doesn't sound like a basketball game. And the Clackers will start now every time the Bulls shoot a foul shot. I got mine. I'm taking it home after tonight. Scotty Pippen, who had 16 of his 30 points of game two in the first quarter, goes up the first, no good. By far the loudest Miami Arena has ever been. And I know we can make a big deal about, you know, big playoff crowds and, and everybody wants to say their own crowd is great. But it, it felt like watching that game, though, there was something special about that crowd and that night in the arena. It, it was something special. I mean, like you said, when, when those clackers got going, I mean, it was some. It was at that point in time uh, in my basketball career in the NBA, it was, some, it was the loudest thing I'd ever heard. And, and, and we fed off that energy that they were – sending through the clackers. I mean, I, our fans was very grateful uh, for where we had gotten uh, the type of season that we had played thus far because, like I said, you know, we're a young team. Uh, no one expected us to uh, even uh, get in the play, playoffs and therefore even think that we had an opportunity to beat the Bulls. I mean, we, we felt that, you know, yeah, we could maybe not win a series, but we can get some, we can get some games in. And, uh, that energy they provided, Ooh. and it was it was like letting light, lightning out of a bottle, and, and and we fed off of it, and it was it, was, it became one of the greatest moments in the uh, early uh, moments of uh, uh, the Miami Heat uh, establishment. Well, that that first quarter was incredible to watch. You guys go up thirty three nineteen after the first, and you guys are blocking everything, you're stealing everything. <laughs> At one point, Grant Long gets a loose ball, he takes it full court and hits a pull-up jumper in transition. I'm like, okay, yeah. this, these guys are playing with a different kind of energy right now. Michael, at the time, he only has two points in the first. When you guys go back to the huddle after that first quarter, what, what do you, what's the feeling? Like, what are you guys talking about? Do you feel good, or are you like, okay, we know this is not going to be it? We, we felt good, and at the same time, we like, okay, listen, guys. The, the black cat, that's what we call Michael at the time, <laughs> he hadn't gotten really involved yet, so – uh, when he get involved, we we gotta withstand what he's gonna throw at us, and uh, you know just stay stay level headed because we were feeling. I mean, we we're feeling great. We we're feeling good. We felt that we couldn't do anything wrong because at that point in time, everything was going our way. But we knew that in that transitional time, period of time, everything that we were doing was working. Some of the things that they were doing uh, wasn't Chicago Bull type of performance but we knew that tidal wave was going to come at at some point we just wanted to make sure that when it came we could hang on as long as possible well you know a lot of times you see a young team and in, in that situation they get back after being down in a series they give up they go on the first quarter lead sometimes they get hit and then they just lie down the series is over and that's not right. what happened here you know you guys you know spoiler alert the bulls win obviously they won the title that year so that, that had to happen but right you know, MJ, it's a stuff of legends. He scores 54 over the next three quarters. It's a 72-point pace. And you guys are taking hit after hit from him and Scotty. But you guys aren't backing down at any point. You know, this game is nip and tuck. You 
right? Get hit, you go down, you go back up at the end of three quarters until the final minute, really. It's, it's right there for you. And everyone on the team seems to have like a moment where they, where they contribute. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, Brian Shaw at one point misses a dunk and then he comes back down a couple of possessions later and he makes sure he makes his next dunk. Um, what, what kind of stood out to you about the way that you guys really took those hits and, and hung in there? Yeah, what stood out to me was that, like you said, we took the hits and, and we still continue to keep believing that, you know what, all we got to do is just keep doing uh, what we do. If they score, we got to make sure we score. Uh, if they get a stop on us, we got to stop them. And, and everybody just was like just on the same page. Everybody was believing. Everybody – and really, it, it, it goes – we have to give a big credit to our fans because, man, they – they provided. I mean, it was we were back home. They provided that 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 six man punch that we needed. I mean, because we we weren't gonna we wasn't gonna beat them five on five. We needed the fans to continue to keep providing that energy every single time, whether it be we got a steal, a rebound, or a layup. The fans erupted, and it made us feel like, man, this is what I'm talking about. This is real playoff atmosphere. And even though the big juggernaut was coming, you know, Michael and Scotty, they were throwing it at us. We, we was like, man, well, you know what? We're going to throw it right back. You know, we're going to keep you guys on your toes. We're going to let you guys understand, yeah, we're young, but we provide punches as well. And boy, it was one of them nights we were like, man, Michael, would you just please miss once? <laughs> would you stop? <laughs> I mean, it was some, it was some big and then it was some – yeah, we had to get some lucky bounces here and there, but man, it was it was incredible to see him doing his thing. But at the same time, we try not to get too caught up in the moment of uh, watching him do his magic. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's hitting double clutch fadeaways from the oh. pain, everything. Even if you guys are defending well, there's nothing you can really do about it, probably. Yeah, no, it was moments where we we had our hand. I'm talking about over both his eyes, and he was just. He was in such a great rhythm. I mean, it was really nothing you can do but hope that he missed the shot. And, un- you know, I mean, unfortunately, he didn't miss shots. But at the same time, we, you know, we still were able to be fortunate in some way. I, I do want to shout out Steve Smith really quickly because he was a, he was a rookie that year. And I know yep. he had been kind of pushed into being a point guard early on because of some things that were happening on the roster. And there were some mm-hmm. growing pains that went along with that. But, you know, there's a couple moments in that game where, and again, he's a rookie. He, he faced up Michael and hit a couple shots right in his face. And he just seemed to be ready for the moment in a way that not yeah. every rookie would be. Were, were you surprised about that at all? Or was that just kind of who Smitty was? I was not surprised at all of how Steve Smith stepped up and uh, – met any challenge that came to him. You know, I've been watching Steve uh, play basketball uh, throughout his, you know, very young career at that time in Michigan uh, when he went to uh, Michigan State. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I Steve Smith is a player. He's gritty. Uh, this guy's got, yeah, you know, unbelievable talent. And uh, he wasn't going to back down. Uh, you know, being a rookie, uh, going out there playing against, you know, some of the best players in the world didn't mean anything to him. It was basketball. And, uh, that's that's what you loved about Smitty. So in the fourth quarter of Game Three, you know, with Michael and Scotty doing their thing, would you agree with me that the the turning point felt like you guys were answering everything that Michael and Scotty were throwing at you, 
But then Craig Hodges comes in the game, and he hits two threes. With nine and a half minutes remaining. Hodges into the front court, finds Pippen, gets the step down the lane, lays it up, no good! Rebound out to Levinson. Back to Pippen, baseline right. Pippen triple team. Cross-court for Hodges, takes the catch, shoots a three, got it! You cannot leave Hodges roaming around at the top of that three-point arc. And then John Paxson hits a couple jumpers in <laughs> all in the span of two minutes. And it seems like that's really yeah. where things turn around. Yeah, because, you know, it's one it's one thing to have uh, Michael and Pippen doing their thing. Uh, that doesn't really take the gas out of you because you expect that from them. Uh, but when they got those big buckets, those, con, you know, contributions from other guys, you know, like I said, Hodges, and, uh, you know, other guys, you know, stepping up when they need to step up. It, 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 it's like a, a kidney punch, so to speak. And um, it, 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 at that time, it, 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 it sucked too much air out of you. And because it's like, okay, we're right there. We're right there. We got, we got Scotty contained. We got Jordan contained. Boom. Oh, God, that hurt. Where did that come from? And then it's like, okay, let's go back down and do it again. Do you know, do the same thing over and over. And then that, you know, one of them two guys just punch you again. And it's like, goodness. And then yeah, it's like you want to keep believing that okay, we got this under control. But sometimes it's just like, well, guys, I mean, we we've done our part, and they did their part. I mean, we slowed down, you know, or got in the way of Jordan or Pippen, and they did what great basketball players do: pass it over to guys who they believe in and those guys just stepped up and just knocked it down and we we're just like oh. see the head drop a little bit and you know that's where the moments come in where it's like okay god can we really do this and then you realize that man if they keep hitting the shots that they keep hitting then yeah it's gonna it's eventually gonna uh, we're gonna fall short and you almost didn't though i mean you only lost by five um you hit mm-hmm. a corner three i think it was to make it a one possession game you know, it was probably two or three possessions in the last minute where if you force a steal or anything, you guys can tie yeah. it up. And it's just, you know, they hit. Actually, you guys missed some big free throws, too. We missed some huge free throws. Huge. Dare I say that if we'd have hit those free throws, we probably could have won that game. Uh, I'll say it. We, we, it would have put us in better shape. And, yeah, the possibility of winning that game would uh, went up tremendously. Uh, but, yeah, but, you know, that's where – the inexperience probably came back to uh, hurt us a little bit. And, you know, championship teams, they find ways to pull out tight games uh, like we had down the stretch there in Chicago. You know, went on and did what true champions do. You listen to Eric Reed's uh, broadcast call at the end of the game. You know, everybody's shaking hands. The fans are still there. They're cheering you guys on. He says, you know, there's no disappointment at all. That everybody's proud. There's no shame in losing the, to the Bulls. It's a stepping stone for the franchise. But at the time, when that buzzer sounds, did it feel like that then? Or did the sting kind of have to wear off for you a little bit to look back on it with, with hindsight? We, we understood who we were playing when we got that assignment. Uh, we knew it was going to be a hard task. Uh, we would have to play a perfect game pretty much in order to uh, beat the Bulls. And, uh, we, you know, and we don't get me wrong, we weren't dumb to what we were going into. We knew uh, uh, that – Either way, it was going to be a great experience. We were going to learn from it. Uh, it was, yes, again, a, a stepping stone to uh, our young careers, uh, both as uh, individual talents and a, 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 a franchise. 
walking off the court, I mean, as a competitor, you never first right away think that, oh, my God, this is a great learning experience. We're like, hell no. We we wanted to win. <laughs> we felt we could have won, and uh, we just – we let it – we let that one get away from us, and it hurt. But at the same time, in order to uh, – improve and 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 make you know yourselves better as individuals and as a team it has to hurt so at that particular moment no I did not feel like Eric <laughs> no we were not thinking that oh well you know what it was a stepping stone no way uh, later on down the road okay <laughs> but at that moment no but one of the things I, I really did love is you know how the fans stayed around and acknowledged the great job that we had done uh, early on in that franchise at that time and uh, that that always stick out because once again I've always said uh, our fans were the greatest fans in the world I mean they they stuck around when we were winning 17 18 19 games a season and uh, that was uh, something that uh, we we enjoyed to see them standing up clapping and we, we enjoyed seeing the smiles uh, in our eyes and in their eyes, the success that we had gained upon that point. Did Michael have any parting words for you after that series? You know, he did. Uh, it really, and Michael was, I mean, it, this is why, you know, he's a great player, but at the same time, I've always thought he was a great uh, person, a uh, great leader. He, he encouraged us to keep battling because, you know, he explained they had their time where they had to, learn from other teams, learn from getting beat. Uh, he said, you guys are a young team. You got some serious talent. Uh, don't let this deter you or, you know, the, the disappointment in not beating us uh, stop you from wanting to be successful. Your time will come. And, you know, like the Miami Heat franchise, that time did come. And, you know, they were able to uh, become champions. So uh, those words, yeah, I'll never forget what he said. Well, unfortunately, that team wasn't able to stay together. So we'll never really get to know what you guys would have been able to do together after that sort of growth. But years right. later, you make three straight all-star teams. Steve Smith makes an all-star team with Atlanta. You're with Charlotte. And you guys get to share that locker room with Michael. You know, you're on that stage now with him. You kind of reach a different group, a different level in the league. Did, did you get the sense yeah. once you became an all-star that Michael looked at you a little bit differently than he did back in 92? When I when I first made my um, All Star when I was with the Hornets and it was in uh, San Antonio, Michael he came up to me and said, "Hey, I told you, told you your time was going to come." And right after that, he said, "Okay, now don't you go out there and shoot no air ball." <laughs> I told him, I said, "Michael, I'm not going to shoot air ball." And coming from him, I mean, I say this, I've said this over and over. Coming from him, who I admired and respected so much and viewed as the greatest player to ever play the game, for him to take the time out and, and, you know, make sure that I was comfortable welcoming me to my first All-Star game, you know, just patting me on the back, talking me up, made me feel good, man. And it did. It, it really did make me feel like that, yeah, I had arrived because even at, in the latter parts of my career with the Miami Heat, I mean, it was it was a moment where I, I finished in top 10 in scoring and felt that, okay, man, I, I know the only reason why I'm not an all-star is because as a team, we're not winning. And that, to me, that, you know, when I went to Charlotte, we were winning a little bit more. And in a sense, I had arrived. And uh, he acknowledged that. And 
Uh, you know, we went on to play that all-star game. And mind you, when I shot my first shot, it grazed the rim. <laughs> and Michael pointed that out to me after the game. But uh, he went on to say, hey, great job. You know, great job for your first all-star. And I'm sure there's many more to come. We should know for listeners that um, your time did come. You know, you, you made those three state all-star teams, but then in 2000, you were with the Lakers, and you did reach the mountaintop. So it's, you yes. know, he was right about that. Your time would come. Um, but Yes, sir. You know, in closing, that just, you've, you've given us some really great Jordan moments, but if you have any, any favorite story about him, any favorite moment, whether it was with you on the court, off the court, anything like that, what, what was your – you know, when you think about Michael, what do you think of first? When I think of Mike, Michael, I, I truly and honestly can sit here and say, I think of greatness. And for me, it's not just because uh, how good, you know, he was on the basketball court. I've watched Michael around people. I've watched Michael display leadership. Uh, I've watched him show uh, respect to other players. I've also watched how he started out, how he took his lumps. Uh, he, you know, he had his growing pains and, and how he rose above all that and uh, became the champion who he is. And so it, 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 for me, just knowing that was more than enough. But then in the 1997 All-Star game, he took me even farther with the respect that I had for him. Uh, as you know, Michael Jordan uh, went out that 97 All-Star uh, game, got the first ever triple-double. Could easily, that's Michael Jordan, could easily have gotten uh, the MVP. But Michael, in that game, realized I was hot, and he was pushing for me harder than anyone there. For me to keep shooting, get the, he called me rice him up, get the ball to rice, get the ball to rice him up, and I'm like, Michael telling people to pass me the ball, and right the first thought that came to my mind is like, man, I better not disappoint him, I can't disappoint him, so I better keep knocking these jump shots down, and uh, to get the MVP and and Michael Jordan had a, the first triple door and out triple double, I was like, okay. I can just say for one moment that I'm the best player in the world. <laughs> and I and I joked with him about it, and he was like, hey, enjoy it, but uh, you're not the best player in the world. <laughs> so, I mean, that his character was unbelievable, man. And um, Michael, along with Scottie Pippen, I mean, I, I, I look forward to the battle with them because in each battle, uh, I, I learned something uh, because they they pushed me, they they pushed me, and they 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 would tell me, hey, look, we're gonna make you work tonight, and I didn't mind because it helped me grow uh, into the player that I became. That's awesome. Well, I won't keep you any longer, man. I really appreciate you coming <laughs> on. This has been really really fun to listen to these stories. Uh, hopefully, it was my it, pleasure. Hopefully they're playing that game three um, on NBA Hardwood Classics or something sometime soon, and maybe they stop playing it a little after the first quarter, give it a break, and then we can come back. Right. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate exactly. it, man. Uh, hope you and your family are doing well. Hope everybody can get back in the arena sometime soon, but uh, we'll see you about that.